Fortune 500 consultant, trainer, military veteran, husband and father, your host, Dr. Aaron Bryant. Hello everyone, it's your man, the DOC, host of drbryantspeaks.com, where reality speaks volume. I am a military veteran, your professor, corporate and public consultant, master life coach, and father of four. I hope everyone out there is doing okay. I appreciate your emails and comments. I'm still catching up on a lot of the messages because I just got back from Las Vegas. And I will say I wasn't out there playing too much. I was doing some research on my next book. To give you a hint, I did a podcast on the topic and there is an interview on my website about the topic. So if you're curious, go there and check it out. But enough about the future. In the present, I want to extend a sincere appreciation to those who have been rating the show. As of yesterday, we were rated with the highest average for a podcast show on iTunes with five stars. So what does that mean? Well, of all the rated shows on average, we have scored the highest. So thank you to all the listeners very, very much. So let's keep up the good work. Continue to give me topics. I will continue to do the research and we will discuss it on air. If you are new to the show, our conversations support military veterans and families, programs, associations, organizations, and civilians. Yes, that is right, civilians as well, because they play a key part in supporting vets and making a difference. So we all have to get involved. If you want to get involved, go to my Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or my website. And yep, you guessed it, drbryantspeaks.com. Contact me and let me know what you want to discuss, and let's help one another in the process. Now, every show, we will discuss new and various topics. Many of the topics come from the listeners, and some are hot topics that are impacting each one of us. Or sometimes, I bring an expert on the show to talk firsthand, which is happening today. So now many of you know, I published a book this year titled Permission to Heal, Violence, Faith and Family. Well, in the back of all good books, authors like to provide special acknowledgements. And our guest today is one of those special people I actually acknowledged in my book. So I want you to say hello to the listeners, Dr. Gaffney. Hello, how's everybody doing out there? All right, so Dr. Felicia Gaffney is somebody that is dear in my heart. Um, first of all, I gotta ask you, have you ever done a podcast show before? I have done one. I still get a little bit nervous, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have known each other for about, well, I don't know, three years now, I think. So give or take. So why don't you tell the listeners, I know your background. So you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and include your military service. So I am an Air Force veteran. I served 20 years in the military, deployed twice. First job was aircraft production management. I retrained at 16 years in, got away from maintenance for a little bit, and I retrained into bioenvironmental engineering. Um, served my 20, separated. While I was on active duty, I was able to get my education. I retired as an E7 master sergeant with a master's degree, and that was absolutely my goal. In the middle of my Air Force career, I was at 10, and I was at a place where I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay or if I wanted to go. I was really not in love with her anymore. <laughs> um, I had a young 
airmen talk to me about some really tough stuff. And so I kind of felt like, you know, it, I gotta go, I'm tired. Um, but that actually changed my direction. Instead of thinking about getting out, it forced me to go back to school and learn some stuff. So here I am on the other side of that, um, master's degree, retired, working with children and families who have um, problems with Child Protective Services. They were in some phase, reunification or something. I was attending a bunch of uh, individualized education plan meetings for the children I was responsible for. And I realized that I didn't know or understand how they would come into some of the conclusions. So at that's the point I decided to go back and get my, mass, um, my doctorate so that I could understand what they were saying and doing with the children. Um, during the whole doctoral process, I ended up in a prison, working as a therapist in a prison. I worked there two years, returned to California, um, and ended up working with veterans. For some reason, that was like the furthest thing away from my mind to help my brothers and sisters. Um, so working at the vet center, I met a lot of people, started a private practice, Hope Spring Psychotherapy and Consulting um, in 2018, just to kind of see what it was like in the civilian world. Cause I don't think I had a lot of experience with working with other folks other than military and offenders or somebody in some kind of system. So I started that. And in February of this year, I went full time at my own practice. Wow. Now, before we move on, I want to backtrack a little bit. You said you left the military with your master's degree. Talk a little bit about that, because, you know, a lot of soldiers always saying they want to go to school. They're trying to go to school. They have a hard time doing that. Give us just a quick summary of how you were able to pull that off by the time you actually finished your military career. So I took weekend classes, um, accelerated programs. I took online when I deployed. I did everything I could to make sure that my goal was my reality. Sometimes it was difficult as a single parent, but I had to keep my eye on what I really wanted to do. Now that's important because, you know, our listeners are both active as well as those who are veterans. And I'm glad you were able to say that and demonstrate that it can happen. So if anybody's out there listening and actually is struggling with that, know that that reality is, is there for you. So thank you for that, Dr. Gaffney, definitely a role model. Hopefully that somebody's out there listening and just gained a little bit more confidence. Um, I wanna talk about, you mentioned the fact that you, when you transitioned from the prisons and you realize you're helping veterans, when you're working with your patients, do you feel there's a significant difference between the veterans and others that are non-veterans? We could talk a little bit about the personalities and what you're dealing with when you as a professional having to become their therapist. So I think everybody is different, even within the veteran community. Um, I, I noticed that there are some similarities. Uh, one of the biggest ones that I've noticed across the board is that when we leave our homes to um, join the military, most of us come from some kind of traumatic situation or needing to get out of a neighborhood or some of that stuff that happens. Um, and so we're already sort of wounded when we leave. Um, other folks, other populations, um, the offenders, um, people with CPS custody um, cases going on and just regular people, a lot of them have trauma too. And I don't mean to say that other people aren't regular. I'm talking about those systems, right? And so people outside of any system of care, um, 
we all have something. We all come from somewhere. And we generally don't know that it affects us until it affects us. That makes a great point. You know, I, I'm not trying to plug my book. I'm really not, even though it happens to be right here. But you actually talked about that because in my book, as somebody who's a product from Compton, as well as a product from the military, you actually touched on the fact that, you know, PTSD, it could be from the community or the military. And that's actually one of the reasons why I specified that, because I was trying to understand if you're somebody from Compton seeing gang violence and you're witnessing that, how much of that is different from somebody who's in combat? So I'm glad you said that because we do all have something. So that's very important. And I think if you are somebody who is struggling with that, you have to recognize and understand at some point because we don't, we go years and years without recognizing that. Um, you know, you've got all these years of experience how do you manage not getting emotionally involved or can you is that even possible so yes and no um i can say that if i jump in the pool with you and you're drowning i'm gonna drown with you um what my goal is is to help you get out of the pool so i can't always jump in the muck and negotiate that with you but i can lend you a hand to help you out um typically I can't say that I'm not emotionally involved or engaged. I want everyone to know that I see that they're important to me just because they're human and their condition is a human condition. It's human suffering. And while it's what I do, it's not just a job for me. And yes, I do become emotionally involved, um, but I have a, a boundary and everybody knows where my boundary starts and stops. I'm always clear about that. And so I get a lot of respect um, for what I do. It's odd, even in a prison, you know, there's a hierarchy there. And I was able to meet some veterans who had some unfortunate circumstances. And I was invited to Revlin retreat every morning and every afternoon. And so it was a, a respect, it was love, you know. Um, I was never worried while in a men's maximum security prison about something happening to me because the guys took care of me, you know. Um, they skipped when I asked them to skip and that's huge. That means they trusted me. Um, and so the same with veterans, when you establish that rapport and you have a relationship with them, they will trust you to do what you say you're going to do, but you have to do exactly that because once you lose it, you don't regain it. Wow. That's you know, when you actually is, we're talking I, in my mind, it just flashed to a couple of things. Now, one, uh, my mom worked at a prison as well. She was a therapist there. And I remember some of the stories she talked about. And one of the main comments she made was how she had a really good relationship with her inmates. She had boundaries. They knew the rules. They didn't, they, you know, yes, you know, yes, Mrs. Bryant, no, Mrs. Bryant. She said she had a better relationship with them than the inmates with the guards. So mm -hmm. because she, you know, they understood and they respected that. Um, another thing you mentioned is about some of the veterans that are actually incarcerated. And for my listeners, if you haven't already listened to all the shows, there is a, one of the podcasts is titled Veterans Treatment Court. And I talked about the Veterans Treatment Court and the program that is fairly new and specifically in Contra Costa County in California. However, it is spreading around throughout the nation that actually provides a justice system for veterans. And they identify some of the challenges that veterans are experiencing by going through a therapeutic process 
a justice process as well as an evaluation to see if you qualify and by actually being accepted into this court where you don't necessarily have to be incarcerated where you can actually have an opportunity to get assistance and basically it's just not allowing everybody to be thrown in the same pot just because you committed a crime some of these crimes are basically stigmas or some sort of branch of you being a veteran so anyway but that's another show so feel free to listen to that but i'm glad dr gaffney mentioned that because it is a very key thing that's happening right now with our veterans and are very important and hopefully it will continue to grow um and obviously dr gaffney seeing that probably can advocate that because i know it was mentioned to her where her and i had a conversation about that once upon a time so Moving on, uh, Dr. Gaffney, you are a veteran. You mentioned that with the Air Force. Um, does that make any difference for you and your profession and how you relate to the veteran because you are a vet? Absolutely. Um, I can think of a number of ways that it's been helpful for me to be a veteran. Um, I remember the first time I was standing on the floor in the prison and it was rec time and all the doors started to roll and everybody was loud and it was chaotic and all those things. and. Basically, I use my command voice to get everybody to settle down. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that actually was a helpful thing because it stopped them quicker than custody could have. Um, mm -hmm. And also the other thing is even when I'm afraid and there are times where I'm afraid I was doing a, a group where all the offenders were cuffed and shackled. Um, first one in Indiana in um, a men's maximum, maximum security segregated dorm. And so um, wow. it got heated, <laughs> it got heated. It was me and two other therapists there. They ran, I told everybody to sit down and I didn't move and everybody sat down. Um, it is that thing that they teach you. They call it military bearing um, and that's how we understand it to be. But it is a lot about not showing what you actually fear. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> That's a, and you're right, because if you probably maybe a civilian therapist at the prison, you react completely different. Um, and besides, and I don't know if this is my mom always said, and I don't you can probably uh, confirm this or not. But when there is any type of uh, raid or if the prison's being taken over and somebody is actually is taken by an inmate, is there some sort of non-negotiation for a hostage? Just to kind of talk about that. So I didn't actually have any of those experiences. Mm -hmm. um, the most is people trying to get their will, get what they want. You know, mm -hmm. they understand that they're in a, in a terrible situation, but it, it never came to that. I think the closest I ever came to it is when offenders had a mental health condition and they killed somebody on the yard, then I was the first person they saw. And so wow. I had to find every time my humanity and there was a few, but there was only one person who kind of gave me a chill. Um, but I was able to use what I'd been taught in the military to manage that chill. Wow. Um, yeah. See, I have a whole new respect for Air Force people now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny you say that. Um, I, the Marines seem to like me too and yeah. consider that I'm not Air Force. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, we, we jokingly as all, you know, we're all service members, but we always want to joke about Air Force being the softest. <laughs> but let me tell you, I've been doing this show and having more and more Air Force buddies and friends. You start to develop and because you get the understanding inside on the other side. So it's pretty interesting. You start developing that respect. So.
I hope you enjoyed the show. Please visit Dr. Bryant's website, drbryantspeaks.com. Also, visit his social media platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube, all titled drbryantspeaks.com.